Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mike the Rotocop here, Friends with Fantasy Benefits, for another edition of the Dirt Dogs podcast, presented by Friends with Fantasy Benefits, joined by my co-host, as usual, Randy Haynes, Colin Weatherwax, and Colin, just coming back from Vegas from the main event, we'll talk about that in a second, and I just want to let you guys know, this one might be a little bit on the shorter side as far as content goes, but once the season starts, we'll be back up and running for the hour, hour and a half podcast that you're used to next week. So let's start with you, Colin, the main event. Tell us how it was, and we'll break down your team a little bit. Yeah, so the main event was was a great experience. I definitely recommend it to anybody that has you know the funds available to uh, make the flight out to Vegas and enter themselves into the main event. I talked to a lot of very knowledgeable fantasy players, um, a lot of people that play in 10, 20 main events, and I'm sitting here on my first one. Um, so yeah, I, I learned a lot. It was a great experience. Um, I loved the whole thing with the NFBC. They're a great host. So yeah, if you have the chance, definitely check it out. And we, you sent us your draft board. We were following along with you a little bit in the group chat as you were drafting. So me and Randy will kind of dissect your draft here a little bit. We'll start with you, Randy. What do you think about Colin's draft at the main event? I mean, he did really well. Um, there's a couple picks that after the fact, um, don't look as good as they did last week, but that's that's going to happen when you're when you're drafting a couple weeks before opening day. You know, great start going with Mookie, JD, and Dozier right off the bat, getting those nice getting those nice bats. Uh, then you get Kenley Jansen, Garrett Cole, and David Price. Who I'm really starting to warm up to as we get closer to as I, as we get closer to opening day. He looks like somebody that could really just be back to his pre 2017 self. You know, competing for Cy Youngs every year. So I I love that pick. I was able to grab a Price share in the draft over the weekend. Um, so I'm really big on price. You did a really good job of balancing everything out. The one pick that obviously, you know, doesn't look so hot right now is to Nelson Lamette, but that wasn't anything, wasn't anything on you. You made that pick, I think three days before the injury news, but at the same time, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a season under looks as of right now. You know, we were talking about it before we got on air, you know, four to maybe eight weeks, maybe six weeks is probably realistic. So, it, you know, that's the one you, the one bullet that you've got, you got going for you but he did a nice job Colin 
Yeah, thanks. So, um, yeah, I was picking out of the ninth hole, and like I told everyone in the chat, I kind of had two guys that I wanted, and if they weren't there, I don't know what I've what I would have done. Um, so, the two guys that I wanted was uh, Clayton Kershaw and Mookie Betts, and uh, Kershaw actually went second overall. So that's that's a little bit of a surprise, but in a tournament like this, I kind of understand it. Um, but Mookie was able to fall to me at, at pick number nine. Um, coming around in the second round, I was really looking at Chris Bryant or Freddie Freeman, who got picked, of course, right before me. Um, but J.D. Martinez was a great consolation prize. And then in the third round, I was I was really hedging my bets on you know taking one of the starters, one of the big one of the big uh, remaining starters that were left. But I saw Brian Dozier there, and I just couldn't pass up the value. So I was hoping that one of the big starters would come back to me at the time. Verlander, Robbie Ray, Carlos Martinez, Aaron Nola, and Chris Archer were still on the board. Um, but unfortunately, they all got taken. So that's where I kind of had to change my strategy and go with Kenley Jansen. I just couldn't see myself getting so far behind in the pitching categories. So I had to take a pitcher in that fourth round. So, Colin, I just I hate to Monday morning quarterback anybody's draft, but I just had a couple questions for you. And you actually already mentioned it. You were one pick away from Freeman. If he was on the board as J.D. was, would you have taken Freeman over J.D.? No-brainer. No-brainer? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I figured. Another one was you took Garrett Cole, and I believe Luis Castillo was on the board. Was that a toss-up for you at all, or you knew you were taking Cole over him? Uh, I do have Cole ranked ahead of him. Um, I just I just like the security that Cole brings. I like how he's going to Houston. They're going to use him right. They're going to frame his pitches. They're going to make sure that he sequences them a lot better. Um, and he's going to provide me with the wins and then possibly a breakout K season. So um, for me, I kind of went with the safety. Luis Castillo is, you know, a lightning rod right now. But um, I went with the safety and Garrett Cole. It's definitely understandable, especially in something that you're putting this much money into. The safety really is key. Um, you got the saves, guys. We'll get to in a second. You got some of our guys that we have mutual feelings towards, like Brad Peacock, Mike Clevenger, Malik Smith. And it's weird to see a draft board in 2018, at least this close to the season, where the line of the shield is going before Daniel Murphy. But it is what it is these days. Now, I just had a quick question because you did get Jansen early. And even with Jansen... When you get a guy like that, my thought of mine, my train of thought would be you want to dominate saves. You want to hands down be number one in saves in the league, at least top three, top two or three, when you get a guy like Jansen and you paired him with Boxberger, who really, you got very lucky that he was named the closer today. Blake Parker, who at the time wasn't even, everyone thought Cameron Drosian was going to be the closer except for you, and now Parker is the closer, and Andrew <laughs> Miller. Now, you got a good group of guys there, but Boxberger and Parker are no sure things. Now, what if you went, the route of taking two hitters instead of going Jansen and instead of going Cole even and taking a Davis in that round that you took Jansen and then on the way back taking a Nelson Cruz and pairing those guys with your bets and J.D. Martinez, your offense, you probably would have had the best offense in the league. Well, there were a couple guys in this draft that actually did that, and Randy kind of pointed it out you know, in the pre-show um, where Team 6 went with the first six hitters, uh, Stanton, Judge, Marte, Chris Davis, uh, Gene Segura, and Rugnet Odor. So for me, I, I like to balance out my team. Um, whenever I got Kenley Jansen, I knew I was already going to be in the middle of the pack of saves. And like I always say, closer is a very volatile position. So at least half of them are going to fluctuate throughout the season. I did get lucky. Um, like, like you said, I was all on Blake Parker being the closer in L.A. 
Um, I've been on Boxberger, um, you know, since the beginning. So hopefully they can kind of get me out to a great lead. I'll pick up a couple guys during the season. Um, but yeah, stacking up the offense with Mookie, JD, and Brian Dozier, I feel like I'm already there. And, um, you know, there's a lot of other people that are going to be playing catch up to me already. So I feel like I'm in the middle of the pack on a lot of, a lot of the, rotisserie scoring and i just need a few breakouts and a few you know fab guys that'll that'll take me over the hump now were there a couple guys that during the draft you got sniped on that you remember off the top of your head here yeah team 10 every time we came back around he sniped me um so like i said before uh, he took freddie freeman right in front of me um he actually took adam eaton whenever i thought no one was going to take him in the 10th round um, he took him right before me and that was before our first break so i was really upset about that one um, but yeah, so team 10, he, he had it out for me. Um, the guy picking on the other side, he wasn't in the draft room, but, um, he had a different strategy than me. So we kind of, we kind of just fluctuated our picks, but yeah, just like every draft I've done so far, I get sniped for sure. Yeah. A couple of interesting things you told us off the air that you could share with the listeners here. Um, you were saying that you don't have to be there live and people do share teams. Yeah, so um, there were a couple teams that couldn't make it for whatever reason to the main event. Um, so they they just drafted online, um, just as if you know they were there. Um, and then there were a couple teams that actually there was a father son team, and that one they kind of went back and forth on basically all their picks. So um, they went they went back and forth, and uh, you know they usually took up the whole minute to uh, to make their pick and then there are a couple other teams that just like buddies and um just friends um you know one guy just kind of looking everything up making sure there wasn't a late injury during the draft or anything like that so um yeah it was it was a great experience like i said at the beginning if anyone has the chance to go out to an fbc event um even just to watch i mean it's it's a great experience for sure and if anybody listening wants to take part in the main event or has any questions for it you could find Colin at CWeatherWax13 on Twitter and just ask away. I'm sure Colin won't mind answering. Now, while Colin was in Vegas for his uh, main event, I went down to spring training. I was in West Palm Beach. I was in uh, Jupiter for a little bit, and I got to see a couple games. I saw Astros Nationals, Cardinals Braves, Marlins Nationals. I actually posted a video, a couple of videos of guys' deliveries, uh, I posted one on Chris Davinsky that was retweeted by Pitching Ninja, so it got a ton of views. It was easily like the most seen thing I've ever put on Twitter. Uh, I saw Miles Miklas down there. He looked good. He looks good again tonight as we're recording. He's pitching against Toronto. And uh, probably the best the best moment I saw being there live for it was Swan Soto, the Nationals' number two prospect. Completely, the ball just jumped off his bat. He had a two-run homer. He's only 19 years old. This kid's going to be an absolute beast. So I had a good time down in spring training. There's a couple of pictures, videos on my Twitter. But I also had my Rotowire online championship draft for NFBC yesterday. And I sent you guys the, the draft board to kind of dissect a little bit off the top. I'm not going to go into the whole entire team. But I got Freddie Freeman, Jose Abreu, Nelson Cruz. I paired that with Sale and DeGrom. And I think it doesn't really get much better than to have those five guys, even though it is a 12-teamer, a little different than the 15-teamers that we've been talking about recently. I still think that's a very good core. I paid for Kingery. I his ADP. I went about a hundred spots ahead of his ADP to get him, and then I got the guys that mean Colin always talk about here: Andrew Miller, Brad Peacock, Chris Davinsky, Chad Green. So, if you guys did, you guys get a chance to look at the draft board? 
Yeah, I got a chance to look the draft board, but before we go on to that, um, I've never been able to experience the spring training experience. Um, so I did have a couple questions on that. Um, could you just tell us like three things that just kind of jumped out to you? I know you only saw a few games, but just like three things that were you were just like, wow, I'm so glad I came to this. I'm so glad I saw this guy in person or just something like that. Well, the first the first funny story I have for you guys, and I didn't even tell you this off the air. So the tickets are so cheap, you're spending like $20. You're sitting right behind home plate, $25, whatever it is. And right behind home plate is all the scouts. There's probably 30 scouts. You read their name tags. You see the teams. So I remember having a conversation with Lenny Melnick like a month or two ago. He said he goes down to um, Arizona Fall League, sees the scouts, sits with them, talks to them, whatever. So I see the scout. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go talk to him. This is like as soon as I got there, the game's going on. And he was from the Cincinnati Reds. And this guy just wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely nothing. I just asked him, like, I asked him, who are you scouting? He's like, both teams. I'm like, oh, where are you from? He's like, Cincinnati Reds, blah, blah, blah. I didn't even catch his name. But he was just giving me nothing. I was like, do you guys get this a lot where fans uh, come up to you guys to talk to you guys? He's like, no, nah, they understand we have a job to do. And as soon as he said that, I was like, all right, that, that's my cue. I, I, yeah. I dropped like one Luis Castillo line, and he just looked at me all weird. And I was like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> but don't let that discourage you. Other than that, it was really great just seeing the players that close. You could pretty much walk around the stadium in a span of like two minutes, and you're on the left field bullpen on the side there. It's open to everybody, the bullpen. So you're watching these guys throw on, say, the Miami on the Miami Marlins, then you walk around to the right side and you're looking at the Cardinals guys throw. So it's very up close view and the weather was just phenomenal in West Palm. So it really was a great time. Randy, do you have anything about the spring training before we move on to this draft? I don't know. Just that I'm just that I'm super jealous that, that you were able to do something <laughs> I've always wanted to do. It looked it looked great. I love all the pictures you were sending us, so it was a it was a good time. Yeah. I'm sure it was a good time. Yeah, it definitely was. Maybe I uh, it was a good topic. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Arizona will be in the works for next year and see the Mariners, so I'll look into that. But as far as the draft goes, you guys got a chance to look at the draft board? Yeah, yeah I so. like a lot what you did, um, Mike. You, know, that you touched on that start you had with Salem DeGrom and then you Freeman, Abreu, Cruz. And then you you told us you never had really drafted Billy Hamilton that high, or maybe this is your first ever Hamilton share, but you went and grabbed him in the sixth round. Backed it up with two good closers with Diaz and Iglesias, and then just did a really nice job of filling things out the rest of the way. Um, but you also took some chances, like you said, with with Kingery. Um, how how long had the news been out about Kingery before you made this pick? Maybe six hours tops. Was it even that long? Um, today is Tuesday, Monday. Uh, maybe a little bit longer than that, but it wasn't like so fresh. I still felt like I had to reach for him to get him. Because there were a couple guys that I didn't reach for, like Acuna was one of them. So I, I definitely wanted to get him on my roster to play that middle infield spot. Yeah, that could end up being a, end up being a big pickup for you and anybody that's been drafting before this weekend. You know, they're they're loving their their Kingery shares. He was actually I saw that notice that he was uh, dropped in a few leagues, and I know the Fab is going to be crazy for him. You know, next weekend. You know, you you went back to your other guys like you've been talking about with Green and Davinsky. Uh, you even got your boy Jordan Montgomery, who I think you have in in every league. Yep. So you you did a nice you did a nice job with with this, Mike. So you should you should be doing pretty well. 
Appreciate it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hate that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll probably hate a little bit more than Randy, just like usual. Um, <laughs> but the one question I have, I'm never, I'm not really too high on owning Billy Hamilton. So going into the draft, did you see yourself as wanting to draft him? Or was it just kind of a spur of the moment after you saw how your first five picks went? It was definitely more of a spur of a moment thing. I had the power with Cruz, Freeman, and Abreu because you're looking at 100 homers right there. So I wasn't going to add a guy like Chris Davis or somebody else that is basically good for just homers. I figured I'd get the beat on stolen bases, so I went Hamilton. And I actually followed it up, and I think um, Chuck Anderson in the group chat was saying that I might have went a little too too deep on speed because I got Hamilton to Shields, Malik Smith, and a couple other guys. But I just wanted to really solidify that category, and I think with Hamilton and DeShields and even Smith, I think I could definitely, I should definitely win stolen bases. Yeah, it definitely balances out, you know, the power, like you said. Um, and I know you you had messaged me about Acuna if you should take him, um, and you ended up going the two closers and Edwin Diaz and Rafael Iglesias. Um, you were able to end up with Boxberger and then uh, Chad Green, and you kind of handicapped yourself by getting Hirano as well and the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen. So playing that out, you know, after you look at the draft board, do you wish that you would have taken Acuna instead of one of those closers in the middle of the rounds? No, the only thing I plan looking back on it now is I kind of wish I didn't take Chad Green, even though the options at that price weren't weren't so much better than him. But now that Boxberger's the closer, Green's going to start on my bench. As We'll see what happens with Montgomery. It does handcuff Montgomery, which is good, but I think I might have went an outfield there if I could do it all over again instead of instead of Chad Green. Maybe a Scott Schebler or an Adam Duval, somebody hit me a couple home runs that I kind of am lacking in, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, and then the last thing that I had, and we haven't really brought up this guy's name at all on our podcast, is uh, you went Andrew McCutcheon right after you took those closers and. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts, your outlook on McCutcheon this year and kind of, you know, what what you think he'll provide for your team. I actually had McCutcheon in the Fantasy Baseball Invitation on the TGFBI, and he just keeps falling to me. And I don't know if I think he's going to do better than his projections. I think he's somewhere around like 25-80 with 10 stolen bases. So he's going to contribute pretty much everywhere, at least I'm expecting him to. But who knows what's going on in San Francisco because guys are just going down every day there. So hopefully he stays healthy and he's not one of them. Yeah, I think I agree on McCutcheon. I think he is being, you know, under undervalued. And um, he, he is falling in drafts. And he might just be able to provide you with that consistent batting average, you know, middle-of-the-road home runs, and then a few steals here and there. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Randy for once. And I do think you did a pretty <laughs> good job on this draft. It did help that... Uh... Some guy auto drafted because they had the servers went down, so they told them come back in thirty minutes. But by accident, they said twenty minutes first or like ten minutes first. So he came back in the thirty in the thirty minutes. Yeah, so they told them come back in thirty minutes, and then they changed it to like fifteen minutes. 
but they did uh, like five seconds after. So he didn't come back to like the 30 minutes. He drafted Bumgarner, so he was basically auto-picking the rest of the draft because he gave up. So it kind of made things a little easier, picking behind him, because I could kind of see where he was going. So that was a whole nother debacle. But NFBC did credit everybody in the draft $50 for having the for because the servers went down, so maybe I'll wow. get another maybe I'll get another drafting. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, one thing I wanted to mention, and I brought up the TGFBI with McCutcheon. Randy actually made the first trade out of the entire TGFBI. You want to tell us about it, Randy? Yeah, just a huge blockbuster um, league altering <laughs> trade. Uh, no, I was I made a trade. Um, we you know we were breaking down. Um, you know our teams on the podcast that we did for the for the couple leagues. I mentioned that I should have taken a, another like spec closer of reliever, so I was kind of I was kind of out looking for that on Fab, and I had a couple guys that I was waiting to go in the DL to free up that roster spot. And then our guy Chris from Jays in the house, he he came to me and he was he had had an abundance of relievers and spec closers. He had um, Dominic Leone. He offered me Leone for someone that I ended up not accepting but i countered with colin moran for dominic leone fit he was looking for a corner just to play because he kind of took a few extra minor leaguers and he he even admitted that on the when we were talking on the site after the draft that he was that he that he went too far that way i went too far the other way not having enough relievers and spec closers and stuff so it was a good fit sent that over he accepted it we you know we made history the first trade ever in in the (laughs) invitational so I'm still waiting for Justin to give us something, but I don't think that's going to happen. So, but yeah, we, we, I ended up getting a little bit lucky with Leon being named the closer. But I feel like I don't think anybody that was paying the, paying attention to the situation even a little bit closely kind of saw it was trending that way. And then Gregerson had his last you know injury that's going to set him back a couple of weeks. So that was just the kind of the final nail in the coffin there. So what did you guys think of it? Yeah, so you had you had sent it to our group, you know, and I believe the first one was uh, Todd Frazier for Leon, and I was like, yeah, I don't think I don't think I would do that. And then you send, okay, I'm gonna counter with Moran, and I think it was a great trade. Um, based on your team, I saw, you know, I looked back at your roster, I saw you only had Hector Neris and then Aroldis Chapman as your two closers. So yeah. that was that was definitely a weak position for you. Um, so getting Leon was was great for you, and you're you were already. Um, looking to get rid of Moran because he was expendable since you have Evan Longoria, Nolan Arenado, and then Todd Frazier, like I said. So you kind of traded a bench bat for your team for a potential closer at the time. And then, of course, it worked out, you know, in stars that, you know, he was he was named the closer. So I thought I thought it was a pretty good trade for you, and Justin should definitely send you a blank check. <laughs> I, I thought it was a good trade for you too, Randy. If I'm not mistaken, you put up a Twitter poll for the trade? No, actually, I didn't, but I think – I, I want to say it was Justin, but somebody put up after the fact, once the trade was completed, put it up. And I didn't I didn't actually check the final results, but I know at one point it was kind of heavily favored towards Leon. But it wasn't anything that I felt like Chris was – you know, I was getting one over on Chris. They were two of our last picks. Looking at his team, he had several other relievers that made Leon expendable. He had a couple of, like I said, a couple minor league guys. He was looking to get a to get a bat with some upside, but also somebody that was going to play because he was starting already. Um, kind of the way things broke for him after the draft, he was kind of already scouting the waiver wire for somebody that he was going to slide into his utility week one. So it, it worked out for both of us. And if Leon loses the job in a week and Moran ends up having a nice season with decent batting average and a little bit of pop, then I look like the idiot. So it was, you know. It's yeah. a small trade. Hopefully it'll, I'll, hopefully it'll benefit me, but we'll see. And people are hiring Moran because of the whole launch angle stuff, and he changes approach. So there are some people out there that think Moran's going to do some serious damage this year. 
Let me. Yeah, try. I liked I liked Moran. Um, not to, not to hurt you. I liked Moran. I got him in a couple of different places. Um, but it just, it it fit that it fit that team. Moran wasn't somebody that I was looking to trade because I didn't know how a much trade value he'd have. But I did kind of like having him on my bench. So I do I do still like Moran going forward. But from a team context, Leon fit my fit what I was doing better than Moran did at the time. Yeah. So let's talk Fab a little bit here, and we'll start with you, Colin, because I know you made a crazy Fab move this week. Tell, tell the mm-hmm. listeners who you spent your fab on and uh, what your thoughts on it were. Yeah, so um, oh, I'm still kicking myself, sorry. Uh, so uh, I went with Kingery. He he was still available in one of my leagues that I did. It was a pretty big buy-in league. Um, and also it was an OBP instead of average league. So it was a little bit my, – my roster was very OBP heavy. Um, I just kind of found myself doing that during the draft. So – I saw Scott Kingery out there. I knew I had to have him. This was like Sunday morning, and I knew I had to have him. I had a thousand dollar budget, and I didn't. I don't know my league mates. It's kind of one of those random, random leagues, so I didn't know how other people felt about him. I didn't know if there was a Phillies fan or or anything like that. So um, I spent four hundred and seven dollars on Scott Kingery of my thousand dollar budget for the whole year, um, and then I, I tortured myself even more by looking at the backup bidder. And saw that the backup bidder was seventeen dollars. So <laughs> um, I love Scott Kingery. Obviously, obviously, I'm I'm trademarked the highest guy on Scott Kingery. He's worth four hundred seven dollars to me. Um, but you know, it's it's just with Fab, you never know unless you're with a lot of guys that you know you play with all the time. So definitely know your league, like one of the guys in our chat said. Um, but yeah, with Scott Kingery, I just couldn't pass it up. He's going to be multi-positional eligible. And it, he just really fit my team. He's already slotted in as the utility for my team right now. And just out of curiosity, do you have a certain fab approach that you try and stick with, or do you just play it by ear depending on who's available and how much money you think they're worth personally? So personally, this is my first experience with Major League Baseball fab. I did NFL fab last year, um, so I don't really have too much to say about the baseball. Um, I always go and get my guys, you know, after week one, there's going to be a lot of people that hit like three home runs, like a Trevor Story a couple of years ago, and people spend crazy on them, and then they just kind of tank the rest mm-hmm. of the year. But if you trust that the player is who the player, you know, the player is who you think he is, then definitely just spend whatever it takes to get them. And um, if you, if your if your league doesn't have a zero dollar bid, then you need to find a new league because it's a lot. It's a lot like waiver wire, um, but you get to. You get to pay up for the guy that you want. It's not where you're where you're at in the standings. Well, what are your thoughts on Fab, Randy? Do you have a certain approach that you stick to, or is it just play it by ear? And if the guy's available, spend whatever you need. Yeah, it just kind of depends, um, team by team, league by league. If it's a if it's a league where anybody that ha- that has a chance of even sniffing a save gets claimed before he even sniffs that save, you know, you kind of pick up with that as a way, you know, as things go along and try to attack that early. If you're, if you're, if you've got a lot of speed and there's and there's some speed sitting out there, you don't need to just go out and get it just to get it. That's kind of my philosophy. So it just it's a team by team thing. I don't mind spending fab, um, but I do kind of like to have a little bit towards the end of the season because when it comes down to, you know, winning a title or not winning a title, and you need a certain pickup, you need this couple extra bucks. Um, they're nice. They're nice to have towards the end of the season when you're fighting for a title. Yeah. And now going back to the fantasy baseball invitational. I put up on Twitter that I spent $30 on Gerard Dyson and Fab Money, 3%, and 
and that was someone that Randy you thought was going to cost me more. And in another league, somebody got Dyson for zero dollars, and in another league, somebody got Dyson for fifty-seven dollars. So I could live with being the average spender on Dyson. Did you spend on anybody in the invitational, Randy? Uh, yeah, I ended up getting um, Nick Senzel for I think eight or nine dollars. Um, I, I like Senzel as a player, and I think there's a chance that that he's up a little sooner than we think. I'm hoping, you know, worst case, he's up in, he's up in June. But I do like Senzel as a talent, and I think he can contribute this year. And you guys talked me into into cutting bait with Jack Peterson anyway, so it it, <laughs> it made it uh, it made the move a little bit easier. But I was actually I was a little surprised that that Dyson didn't didn't go for more in your league, and there was a league that he went for zero, yeah. um, which I never would have guessed. Maybe it was people didn't realize that that he was out there, so. Yeah, you know, in season, somebody like Dyson that that gets into some playing time is probably going to go for ten percent or more of a budget. But maybe preseason, you got yourself a little discount. I know that there's some rumors going around of how that playing time is going to shake out in Arizona. Whether it's going to be more Dyson or more Chris Owings, or maybe there, you know, there's talk they might go get. Uh, it was Jose Batista, and who was the other one that they were? That they were rumored to go get that made no sense. Uh, but anyway, that they're you know they maybe bringing in somebody from outside the organization. Yeah. So I think you might end up getting a good buy there. Yeah, hopefully. And Souza's out till mid-May. They said it's a very injury-prone outfield with Pollock and Peralta. So Dyson might find his way into some playing time. Uh, Colin, did you spend any fab on anybody in the Invitational this week, or was it just Kingery in that other league? No, not in the Invitational. I actually have a call into Major League Baseball to have all their teams put everyone that needs to go on the disabled list on the disabled list like yesterday. So, because that's what our team's waiting on. We have a couple guys that are DL eligible. Um, so we'll be able to run fab this week. Um, we're definitely looking at some offensive options for our bench. So, um, I, I was already told by Ben that I can't be in charge of the fab budget <laughs> since I blew almost half of mine on yeah, Scott Kingery and another that. one. <laughs> but. It's okay. We'll figure it out throughout the season. Yeah. All right. So we're. Yeah, all... I do think this. Sorry, I was. Just, I do think this will be a big weekend for Fab in the Invitational because so many teams have a guy or two that they're waiting to get thrown on the DL. So this Sunday could be a big Fab day in the Invitational. I know. I I personally have two guys. I'm just waiting until they get that that little red asterisk and I can throw them on the throw them on the DL. So. Yeah, and I agree, especially when guys are going to name closers. You could drop those speculative guys like a Hirano or somebody else that you think that you thought might have had a chance at saves. That open up room to make a lot of moves, and especially across the board in the 15 leagues that it is. So now that we're all caught up on our last week and what we did in Fab, let's talk about some player news and probably the best news at least me and Colin got all day here. I know Randy. I think you said you had ownership of him also. Brad Boxberger, closer in Arizona, 40 strikeouts and 29 innings pitch at the end of last year. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk to me a little bit about Boxburg, Colin, and how happy you were when they announced that today. Oh, I'm ecstatic. I have uh, Boxberger in seven leagues, um, so I've been buying low on him all season, including in the main event. So I'm, I'm ecstatic that he was named the closer. Um, I did see in our chat today that a lot of people said to buy low on Archie Bradley 
and Hirano, and I do agree with that to some 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 extent. I do think that Boxberger will keep the job if he's healthy, but that's a big if. So if he's not healthy, um, I think getting Bradley or Hirano, or in your case, Mike, just holding on to Hirano in that uh, Roto Wire Championship he just did might might be beneficial just in case because he hasn't been fully healthy in about a year and a half now. Yeah, and especially in a league with no trades, a guy like Hirano keeping him stashed could end up paying big dividends. Randy, do you see Boxberger having job security here in Arizona, or you think it's one or two blown saves he's out of there? Uh, I think he's got a little bit. Now, if they're massive, like Sam Dyson from the beginning of last year-esque blow-ups, then maybe he might have a short leash. Um, but Colin, you know, Colin nailed it there. It's all comes down. It's always been health with Boxberger. I mean, the guy can pitch. And I do think they really wanted to keep Archie Bradley in that role. And if Hirano's pitching in his, you know, in his role leading up to it, I think they'd be, as long as he's doing well, I think they'd be more likely to put him in for Boxberger if something were to happen for him over Bradley. Because I think they really do like that role. And there was something um, over the weekend or maybe the end of last week that there's, they still haven't completely shut the door down the road of him getting back into the rotation. So that's something to do. I, I had two um, Boxberger shares myself. One was in... Uh, and NPC draft and hold back from like late January, early February, so that one really cashed in. And then I did get him in one redraft here over the weekend, so I was I was I was I was happy. But he was another one kind of like Leo, where I I feel like most people kind of saw the writing on the wall and where there's at least going to head for for the first couple save opportunities of this year anyway. And and you served up the transition perfectly for me by mentioning Sam Dyson, who might be closing now in San Francisco. Mark Melanson felt something in his arm. I don't really know what that means, but it can't be good. Now they got Dyson, Tony Watson, and Hunter Strickland there. Randy, out of those three guys, who do you see closing? And then who are you most comfortable with closing? Ugh, um, I I guess they'll give the first crack to Dyson because he did he did do a decent enough job um, for them filling in for Melanson, you know, throughout different parts of last year. You know, I, I, it seems like they never want to give Hunter Strickland any kind of crack at that job. For whatever reason, just the way they've had him over the course of you know his career, you know Tony Watson was somebody that when he signed, we actually, um, you know, we actually on this pod brought up the fact that there's something in his contract of where he has an incentive for getting some saves, you know, throughout the course of the length of the contract. So that's something to keep an eye on. I guess Dyson will get the first crack, but that's that that just sucks. You know, Melanson was kind of shaky coming in anyway. He had those the you know the same arm injury last year. So this is a, this isn't a good sign for anybody that invested in Melanson in more than in more than really just one place. Uh, and just add him to the list of giants getting hurt with some Arja and Bumgarner. And like I was talking about with McCutcheon before, I really hope he doesn't catch that injury bug. But with Dyson and we mentioned Watson, the thing with Watson is he was so much better as an eighth inning guy than a ninth inning guy. When he was an eighth inning guy in Pittsburgh, he was just completely lights out. Then he moved to the ninth inning, and that's when things got shaky. So I'd rather see him in the eighth inning role and either go with Dyson or Strickland. I mean, you don't really have the greatest choice between the two of them. So I guess you got to go with Dyson just because he has the experience. Colin, what do you think? I've seen Sam, Sam Dyson at his worst. So <laughs> <laughs> last year in the beginning of the season, he he lost us the division almost. So um, no, I, I agree with you, Randy. I think Strickland should definitely get a chance. Um, I think Watson can stay in his eighth, seventh inning role, um, kind of situational lefty role. Uh, but with Melanson, I only have one share in, of him, and it was in a home league, so I don't have any money tied into Mark Melanson <laughs> this year. Um, I. 
a lot of people were on him as a bounce back candidate, but with his age and now with this news about his arm kind of feeling dead, um, I, I would definitely do a speculative ad of Dyson if I need it in the beginning of the season. But if I'm playing the long term play, I might go with Strickland. Maybe they, maybe the Giants come to their senses. Yeah, Melanson was somebody that we didn't really touch on the pod during the off season, but. As far as I, I wasn't on him at all this this draft season because I don't remember hearing anything about how his arm issues from last year were fixed by whether that's via surgery or some other kind of you know alternative training healing whatever the case may be so I was avoiding him at all costs anyway I have I'm happy to say I have no shares and that's something we you know going forward that we always need to try to keep in the back of our minds if there's somebody that's injured towards the end of the season and you don't hear anything and you can't find for sure that something got fixed with that injury, especially an arm injury for a pitcher, that means it probably didn't get fixed. Um, so, you know, at certain points you had to take Melanson, like you said, Colin, but luckily I don't have any shares in him this year. Yeah, and I'm with you. I don't got any shares either, so that's a good thing. Scott Kingery, obviously, is going to be with the big club, uh, in the big leagues to start the season. And I just wanted to touch on the contract issue here because he signed – the contract has a club option all the way up to 2026. Now, that's eight years down the road. He kind of capped himself out here as one side of the argument where he could be worth so much more money in 2026 than he's going to be getting paid. Another side of the argument is he just signed for the $29 million or whatever it is. He's never going to have to worry about a thing for the rest of his life. Colin, what are your thoughts on the contract? Uh, the contract is very interesting. I hope that some of the other clubs kind of take notice of this because I know this is only the second time that it's happened. Um, I, I know Atlanta, there's a report out that they offered Acuna that same type of deal. Um, but, you know, I, it, it's a lot better, you know, for now until they do the new CBA and they come up with a new system besides waiting two weeks into the season and getting an extra year of, of control. So, um for Kingery, I'm on the side of setting yourself up for life and just kind of taking that contract and playing in the big leagues as long as you can um, because you never know. I mean, if he was in AAA this year and he blew his ACL, he might never be able to you know, get that money or play in the big leagues ever again. So, um, And, of course, as a biased fantasy analyst, I love it. Um, <laughs> I, I have him projected this year now that he's up the whole year um, as a 280 average with close to 18 home runs and close to 30 uh, steals. So that's why I spent, you know, 40% of my fab on him. And now there's no fear of him being sent down for, for um, you know, arbitration or anything like that. Yeah, it definitely benefits us as fantasy owners. And I would have done the same thing as he did and as you mentioned, Colin, which is take the money, you're set for life. What are your thoughts on it, Randy? Yeah, I think it's a win-win for both sides, the player and the team. It's a win for us as fantasy owners. I don't know how how much it's gonna it's gonna happen, you know, going forward with with certain situations. It seemed more like Kingery was just he just didn't care. He wanted to get to the big leagues. He, you know, they, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz going around Philly, and I guess you know he wants to get there. He wants to help them win now. So I think that had a that had a lot to do with it. And I'm not saying somebody like an Acuna doesn't doesn't feel that way but it just seemed from the reports i was hearing was kingery was just he was he was wanting to do whatever it was whatever it took to get to break camp with the club be on an opening day have a guaranteed roster spot you know for the next several seasons so it was a it was a win-win for both sides i felt yeah and i kind of got that same feeling he just wants to play and they're calling him the new chase Huntley in philadelphia so we'll see how it turns out if he can make that big of an impact another guy who's going to make a big impact ryan mcmahon 
who I know Colin's very happy about also because he's on his main event team. He made the big league team, and this is where it gets a little iffy because nobody's really too sure about his playing time. I think I saw conflicting reports, but as Colin mentioned off the air earlier today, he needs to get his at-bats. They wouldn't keep him here if he wasn't going to get his at-bats. I've heard Ian Desmond and Gerardo Parra splitting time, platooning in left field to get McMahon his at-bats. What do you think is the most likely scenario here, Randy? I actually think to start off, they're going to not throw McMahon in there every day. Um, this is just going off of how the team is built. They have a lot of money invested in Desmond, and then you know they even have some in Parf, considering he's probably just a fourth outfielder. So I could see at the start that it's maybe actually like a like a Parra McMahon um, platoon, and maybe they're giving cargo an extra day off here and there. Um, but I do like McMahon's skills. I like his talent. I think eventually he'll get to the point where they can't take him out of the lineup no matter what those veterans are doing. Um, but the downside is, is if he does struggle, they have enough guys on not only on the 25-man roster, but then if you go into you know deeper down the depth chart or into the minor leagues, you've got a David Dahl who, everybody's, who everybody wants to see get everyday playing time. And where I'm Altapia, who's who's proven you know that he can play in the you know the little samples that he's had over the last couple of years. So it's good news for now, but I'm still a little a little leery if McMahon starts to struggle that he could end up back in AAA because they have so many options. Yeah, and as a McMahon owner, what are you expecting out of him, Colin? So roster resource actually has him starting as the first baseman this year. Um, you know, just just preliminary right now after the reports. Um, I thought it was very interesting um, a couple weeks ago whenever we were all thinking that he's going to get sent down. Uh, there were reports that he was going to get sent down, and it just never happened. So I actually took him, like you said, in the main event. I took him as my starting first baseman. That was the one <laughs> position that I didn't really fill. Um, I have him and Marwin Gonzalez there as of now. Um, and like I said, Roster Resource has him starting at first and Desmond on the bench, which I don't see happening. But there was a report today that they want to make sure Para recovers from his offseason surgery. So I could see Para kind of being eased back into his role. But if he has a starting role, um, if, if they can guarantee me you know, that he's going to be starting, I'm okay with drafting him in the top 150 picks. You know, a bat like that in Colorado – and that lineup is just going to be money, and that's what I'm hoping for in main event. <laughs> yeah, he's hit everywhere he's been, so there's no reason to think it's going to change now. A couple other guys that were in the news this past week that we didn't really get a chance to dive into, and I just want to mention them real quick so it doesn't go unnoticed. Um, Greg Bird out six to eight weeks with the ankle injury. Madison Bumgarner fractured his hand. He's out six weeks. Alex Cobb signed with Randy's Orioles. Steven Souza Jr. out until mid-May, and Justin Turner, obviously with the broken wrist, out until mid-May. Anything you guys want to touch on with those guys, Randy? Maybe Cobb? Well, I mean, it was those, you know, when they signed, when the Orioles signed him to that contract, at first I was like, okay, cool, they don't have to throw Mike Wright out there every fifth day. I'm not the biggest Cobb guy, but Mike Wright has no business being on a major league roster. So just from that improvement, it was it was nice to see. And then you see the the long-term aspect of that contract makes me feel a little worse uh, as an Orioles fan. Uh, the move for Cobb, I think people are overblowing it just a little bit. It's obviously a much worse park, um, but he's been pitching in the AL East his entire career. He had an ERA in the three sixes last year pitching within the AL East. And so, yeah, his home park is obviously going to be a lot worse. But instead of having to face New York, Boston, Toronto, and Baltimore, he gets to replace the Baltimore lineup with, with a – I feel confident in saying a pretty significantly worse Tampa Bay lineup. So maybe that offsets itself a little bit, you know, second full year back off of Tommy John. So maybe he could end up having some mixed league value. 
Yeah, you know, the Bumgarner and Turner things, they were they were just real heartbreak for fantasy owners, especially people that have already drafted, especially somebody like a Bumgarner. So that was really all I had that, that stood out from that group of guys. Yeah, one thing I wanted to touch on, you mentioned Greg Bird, or I mentioned Greg Bird, and he's getting an ankle surgery. Last I heard, Miguel Andujar is getting reps at first base in the minor leagues. So he might eventually play his way into the majors playing first base while Bird's out. So that could be something to keep an eye on. Colin, anything on this list of guys that are injured that I gave you here? Yeah, I'll piggyback on the Greg Bird thing. Um, I do think Tyler Austin is a speculative ad in some of the uh, deeper leagues. And then, of course, it possibly brings Andujar up faster. Luckily, I had zero shares of Greg Bird this year. I just wasn't a believer that he was going to be in the middle of that lineup, like everyone was saying, for the season. Um, and then going back to Justin Turner, um, I had one of the guys with FWFB, uh, Matt Smata-Adams. I, I made a spreadsheet of all the all the different leagues that I'm in, and also um, he helped me do a most-owned list. And uh, on, on the most-owned list, I have Justin Turner in six leagues. So after he did the formulas and everything, he was like, Justin Turner, sad face. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so Justin Turner was definitely a heartbreak, like you said. Um, Greg Bird, overblown, overvalued, overdrafted, all of that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, these injuries in the preseason, they're, they're definitely terrible. Yeah, I guess back to Bird. I was never drafting Bird anywhere ever. But the one good news, like you touched with Andahar, is eventually they could move Neil Walker or Drury, more likely Walker, I would think, over to first base. Or maybe it is Andahar, who knows. But that could easily... Um, that could easily open up the door for Andahar to get up there. You know, I guess they're going to try to get Andahar a little bit of seasoning, but Tyler Wade is nothing to, you know, that's nothing we want as fantasy owners. So that's something if he struggles and we start to see Andahar's playing first in the minors more, or maybe they give Neil Walker a start at first base here and there, that could easily open up the door for Andahar. So there is maybe a little bit of a, you know, maybe a little bit of bright side for this if you did own Greg Bird for whatever reason. <laughs> There's one last guy I just wanted to touch on before we move on to uh, our steamer projection, and it's Jordan Hicks. For those of you that don't know, he's with the St. Louis Cardinals. Never pitched above A ball, but made the team, and he had a great spring training. Eight innings, eight strikeouts, two three array. There's reports that he touched 102 miles per hour, 11 pitches of 100 miles per hour or greater out of 13 in one of his appearances. So he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. They already said they're going to put him in the late-inning situations. So if Leon or Lyons or Gregerson can't cut it, look for Jordan Hicks, who actually isn't even listed on NFBC right now, which I thought was a little weird. But if you could keep an eye on him, at least put him in your watch list. Now, the streamer projections we're going to touch on before we wrap up, and I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on a couple of guys. I did put a couple of our guys in this list because I knew it would make for, <laughs> for some great debate, and we'll get to those in a minute. Let me just start quick. And we'll start with you, Randy. Tell me over under. I'm going to read you the player and the projection. Ronnie Acuna, 105 games played, 280, 14 homers, 54 RBIs, 21 stolen bases. I am going to take the over on games played. Um, I'll take a slight under on batting average. And as far as home runs go, I actually want to take the over. Steals, I might go a little bit under, but that's, I think that's those projections are very, are very I think, uh, conservative for Acuna. He could easily top all five of those, but if I had to pick a couple for over and under, I do think the games will be well over, and I could definitely see the home runs being over the 14, like you said that Steamer has. 
And I think the only way to play somebody like Acuna when it comes to projections is to be conservative. Because if you're not going to be conservative, then you're going to list him at 30 homers, 30 stolen bases, which is <laughs> yeah. his full potential. Not Maybe not even, not even his full potential, but nobody's going to go out there and project that when he's starting the season in the minor leagues. Anything could happen. Colin, what do you think about these Acuna projections? Um, I, I want to go with the over, but I'm a little bit nervous as a, as a fantasy owner. That you know, if if the Braves get off to a slow start, if they you know if they don't come up to expectations as soon as they want to, that they might just keep them down all season, and then everybody that we've talked about this whole time that took them in the sixth, seventh round are going to be kicking themselves for doing that just just based on the spring training hype and then the prospect hype. Um, if he does come up though, I'll, I'll be with Randy. Um, I think he's going to be over on the games. Um, he, he could probably hit 20 home runs and steal 25 bases, um, playing about 120, 130 games. But I'm, I am a little nervous just if the whole team around him doesn't perform, that they might just keep him down and keep that, uh, keep that eligibility. Because he is still only, what, 19 or 20? So it is a little crazy. Yeah, definitely a polarizing figure in baseball, and that's going to be the case throughout the year. Another guy who's in the starting rotation uh, is Jack Flaherty with the Cardinals, and Steamer has him listed at 16 games started, only 89 innings pitched. Forget about the ERA, forget about the strikeouts. He's taking Adam Wainwright's spot. Do you guys think he's going to keep that spot and basically push Wainwright out of the rotation, or you think he's going to send him right back down when Wainwright, when Wainwright comes back? What do you think, Randy? Uh, I think they will let Wainwright work his way back out of the rotation. So I could see a scenario where um, Flaherty makes a couple of starts, Wainwright is back, they let Wainwright come back up. Wainwright is pretty much toast as a starter at this point in his career, so he will get, you know, he'll get beat around a few starts, and then they'll end up settling back on Flaherty. And, you know, as far as the projections go, I think he could pitch better than the 4-4 ERA that, that Steamer has him projected for. I know he's not a huge strikeout guy, so I think that that strikeout rate that they have him projected for, 79 and 89 innings, is probably pretty reasonable. But I could see a better ERA than the 4-4. He's somebody definitely to keep an eye on. Even if he does get sent down after his first couple starts, Wainwright comes back up, it's not going to last. You know, we've seen what's happened with Wainwright. It's just, it's not going to last. He's going to end up back in the bullpen. They're just going to kind of give him a nice... A nice one last chance to to kind of keep his job as a pride thing. I I feel like. Yeah, I agree. Colin, sixteen games started for Jack Flaherty over or under. I'll go with over because not only is he taking Wainwright's spot right now, but there's a lot of question marks in that in that um in that starting rotation with Miles Mikolas and just the injury bug that can catch so many pitchers and the phantom DL slots. So um, he might even be close to having a uh, a Brad Peacock season. You know where he might be the kind of bridge to get to the late inning guys. Um, so I think he will go over on the innings and the game starts. Um, so he he might have a sneaky good season. And if you picked him late late in your drafts, then he might be singing his praises towards the championship round. And those are two guys I wanted to touch on before I got into three of our guys here. I'll start with myself. And obviously, Jordan Montgomery is one of my guys here. And Steamer has him listed at less innings pitched than he had last year. He had 155 last year, 153 this year with a 4-6 ERA, which I'm not too happy about either in 28 games started. What are you guys' thoughts on Montgomery over or under, Colin? Um, so the game starts is probably right around a push for me. Um, I do think he might be teetering around that ERA just because half of his starts might come in New York, unfortunately. But I'm with you as, as buying into him this year. I do think he's going to provide a lot of a lot more K's than he is projected to on this 
Um, I, I, I'm a believer in him being an SP3 this year, and I'm all in for, for taking him in every draft that I've done. Randy? Yeah, I'm not as big on Montgomery quite as you are, but I do like Montgomery a lot. Um, he's got three really good secondary pitches, and his fastball is just you know just kind of just good enough to get by. So I'm taking the under on everything that Steamer has listed. Um, you know, game start if they end up you know wanting to sit him here and there, you know, whatever. But as far as the ERA, the strikeouts, the WHIP, I'm taking the under on all of it. I'm very big into Jordan Montgomery. I think he could end up being a top. There, there's the potential to be a top 30 starting pitcher. Maybe even as soon as this year, that'd be really bullish. Um, but it's it's coming in it's coming in the next couple of years. I I do believe that. Yeah, I totally agree. And he's the one guy that I think is getting lost on the Yankees with all this offseason hype. That 153 innings pitch, I think, will definitely be north of that, considering he threw 155 his rookie year. I know the bullpen is phenomenal, and they could throw out guys in the fifth, sixth inning and cut him loose. But I think he's going to pitch so good that they're not even going to need to do that. And he'll find his way going deep into games in sixth, seventh innings. So I'm big on Montgomery, obviously, like we all are. Uh, Collins guy here, Joey Gallo, 227-38-92. 227 is being pretty modest with that batting average, Colin. Over or under? Uh, I'm going to actually push that average as well. I I was reading an article today that said that his 209 batting average um, was probably his worst-case scenario, which is what he posted last year with the 41 home runs and the 80 RBIs. So um, I'm going to push on the average. I do like the 38 home runs. He's going to be right around the 40 home run pace. Um, in most seasons that he's healthy. And the difference about him this year going into last year is that he's solidified that first baseman job. You know, last year we were all nervous about him just kind of playing third base until Beltre got back, which was only reported to be a couple weeks. So he wasn't going very high. And then, of course, he breaks out like he did. Um, So I think his projection for Steamer, 227, 38 home runs, give or take a few for me, and then the 92 RBIs. It's it's right in line with where I'm projecting him, and I'd love to have him on my team. Yeah, and from all the reports I'm reading, he is showing better play discipline this spring training, taking a couple more walks and really not striking out as much. Randy, what are your thoughts on this Gallo projection at 227-38-92? Yeah, I'm going to take the slight over on all of it. Um, I guess I'm being pretty optimistic with a lot of these guys that we're talking about, but it wouldn't take a lot of Babbitt luck for, for Gallo to exceed 227. Yeah, it's just you're not asking for much there if you're trying to exceed that. The what I hesitate actually was the 38 bombs since he hit it was it 40, 41 last year. So that wouldn't he could hit 38 and still return the value that you that you paid on draft day. The RBIs I think could be up a little bit more because the if if healthy Texas does have a good enough lineup where the RBIs and runs should be there for him. So I'm gonna go a slight over on everything with Gallo. And if he gets that average up to the 240, 245 range, you're basically looking at Chris Davis, a guy that's gonna hit around 245, 250, and hit the 40 homers. That's pretty much guaranteed. Now, let's talk about your guy, Randy. Jonathan Scope is projected at 276, 30, 91. And I know you think he might even do better than this, or is this is this where you think he'll be at? Uh, that's actually really, that's really spot on. Um, I'm going to take a slight over, um, I think, on the home runs. Um, the batting average is about where it is. I don't know if he's going to get quite back to the, was it 290, I think, off the top of my head, 293 that he hit last year. That might end up being his outlier season. But he, he's a 275 to 285 hitter, in my opinion. 
I uh, you know, I watch the guy play a lot, and Colin hates him. Um, you know, if anybody follows us on Twitter, I almost blocked Colin the other day because he just will not stop hating on Scope for no reason. You know, I'd like I would like to you know every time Scope does something well, tweet directly at Colin this year. But he does so much well that it's going to be really hard to keep track of it. Uh, but I'm going to take the like I said, the slide over on the ha- on the on the homers, and I'll go probably push or a slight slight bump down. Um, on the batting average, so what, bring it, bring it on, Colin. What do you got? Oh, I'm taking the under on everything. You know, I'm going down with the ship here. If if he's gonna, if I think he's gonna struggle, he's gonna struggle. Um, I, I do agree with you on one thing about scope. How you said last year was his outlier season. It's definitely gonna be his outlier season with the 293 average, over 30 home runs, and over 100 RBIs. Um, I see him falling back down to earth around a 250, 260 average, um, maybe maybe 20 home runs, um, and that's in a healthy oh, season. God. So if he gets hurt at all, um, he, he's going to be you know the biggest bust, and I'll have everybody come at you on Twitter and say, why did you tell me to draft him? Colin, he hits he hits the ball way too hard to to have a drop off like that unless he's got an injury. He only had you know he, he only registered soft contact twenty three percent of the time last year. You know everything else was either medium or hard. You know and this guy plays in a launching pad. It's a it's a it's a good enough lineup for him to for him to you know not have to worry about getting pitched around. Yeah, he's. Yeah, oh man, we this this could be a rough season. His, his <laughs> soft you, contact, rough season for you, Colin. His soft contact rate is going to double this year, and he's going to spike in case as well. He's going to find himself at the bottom of the order, and I think a guy named Ryan Flaherty might even take his spot. Uh, well, they they cut him, so yeah, they're trying to, try try to find somebody. Oh, okay. him back. God, I hope not. There's there are way too many people in Baltimore that love Ryan Flaherty for for really no reason at all, other than he's the scrappy utility guy off the bench. So I have I have a weird hatred for Ryan Flaherty for that reason. Well, it'll definitely be fun to see how that plays out. Uh, quick note, right before we go off the air, AJ Puck is going to undergo Tommy John surgery, which sucks because I'm in two out of my four oh. leagues. So now I got to figure out something to do with that. But before we wrap up. We made it. We made it to the start of the season. We're less than 48 hours away now, easily less than 48 hours away. So, Colin, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is and anything that you're working on right as the season's about to start. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at CWeatherwax13. I'm not working on anything right now. I'm working on you know f- finishing my spreadsheet, making sure I have all my all my fabs in order for this weekend. Um, I'm working on getting ready to go to the Rangers opening day on Thursday. So if you follow me on Twitter, just kind of keep an eye out for that. I'll, I'll tweet as much as I can, um, before I get too drunk. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, that, that's, that's what I'm ready for. I'm ready for the season to get going. I'm done drafting, not going to draft anymore. So, uh, I'm ready for the season to start. Yeah. <laughs> Randy. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at rth222. Uh, I actually have a, have a lot of stuff going on right now. I'm over at the other site that I write for, Head and Heart Sports. We're doing um, over and under over under win total predictions for all 30 teams, as well as some award predictions. And this year, for Friends with Fantasy Benefits, I will be doing a weekly. Um, kind of a pitching planner still finalizing the the last few things with it but i think it's going to be it's going to be fun um they're going to have a lot of streaming aspects and maybe some two two start aspects with it so that'll be something that's coming um you know every week all season long so look out for that yeah looking forward to it and you guys can find me at mike the rotocop you can find me here friends of fantasy benefits or my podcast with fantasy assembly 
And looking forward to Thursday. Signing off. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for listening.